Welcome to the Rural Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Dana Larson. This week, we're talking with dirt road dietitian Sherry Glazier from Loyal, Oklahoma. Sherry was just named Oklahoma's Outstanding Dietitian of the Year and is helping us better understand where our food comes from, making the connection between farm life and nutrition. She's sharing how there is no one-size-fits-all approach to nutrition, plus food myths, shopping your pantry, and more. So here we go with Sherry Glazier. All right. Well, today we have Sherry Glazier, Dirt Road Dietitian, on the podcast. She's based out of Loyal, Oklahoma. Sherry, thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. Well, tell us about you. Were you born and raised in Oklahoma? Yes, I am a born and raised, um, born and raised on a farm, and I actually actually married a farmer as well too. And so I will say, agriculture is definitely in my blood. I actually come from a long line of farming families. Um, so in Oklahoma, it's sp- fairly common um, that agriculture is definitely in a lot of people's blood here. But we uh, primarily grew up raising wheat and beef cattle, and um, that was just something we did. Learned to drive the combine, get cattle up, always around. Animal husbandry was always very, very, very important um, in our family, and as far as taking care of crops. Um, my mom had me out obviously always active in 4-H because she probably needed a break, but she, that really, I think back so much to those skills that I learned in 4-H. That's when I started doing cooking demonstrations, showed cattle, showed pigs, active in FFA, speaking, all that good stuff. Um, but this whole time, I really liked health, nutrition, just that inter- always interested me. Nothing to the extreme, but I was always very interested about it. Um, and I always, I have ultimately had a unique experience of knowing where food came from. And I really didn't realize that that was a, um, a niche until I've gotten older. Um, so I decided, I actually played a few years of um, collegiate bat- women's basketball. And that was during that time that the level of nutrition and it really came to light of you know, what, what you eat really does have an effect on your athletic performance. And ultimately I decided, Hey, I think, I think I want to be a registered dietitian. And so, um, I went ahead and finished my education at Oklahoma state university and got my master's there. Um, and ultimately I landed an awesome job too. So I actually have worked through college and then as, as a professional in hospitals for about eight to nine years, I was a clinical dietitian, Uh, outpatient dietitian, actually managed food service for a short stint as well too. So I had a lot of experience in that clinical world, really, really getting to see what people, um, what people thought, what people think about food and answering a lot of their questions, but it also ultimately helped me realize there's a massive gap between agriculture um, and, and urbanized areas and where people just ultimately don't have that access um, to where food really, really starts. And so that's where ultimately I think I realized that I had a much natural and more natural understanding just based on my upbringing. And so I did, I married uh, my, what I call my other favorite farmer. Um, So my dad being one and my husband being the other one. And so ultimately um, we do live in Loyal, Oklahoma and we have two young kids, three and six. So we're doing the at home kindergarten stuff right now too. Um, and so we raise wheat, um, we raise beef cattle and we raise sesame and some other things. We're just constantly looking to diversify a little bit too, because we are, um, you cannot get complacent, um, in agriculture right now either. And so, um, just to kind of wrap all that up. So how did dirt road dietitian, 
um, become. Um, ultimately, I had all that, but I also uh, that experience in hospitals. But I knew that there was a gap there, but I also became a mom during that time as well. I knew feeding kids was a big question mark for a lot of people. And I knew a lot of people, their kitchen confidence may not be as great either. And so that's why I started sharing a lot more of our home life, farm life, cooking life um, of our, from home on my Instagram. And that's where Dirt Road Dietitian kind of started. And then it's definitely kind of grown from there. But definitely in my Instagram stories is where the behind the scenes um, really, you know, you know, zoom out and you want to see what's what life is like in this dietitian's house, you're welcome to come follow along. I love it. So tell us a little bit about the powerful role that nutrients have on our health. So I think it's something as far as nutrients role in our health, it's something that we just, um, honestly, I think we take a little bit for granted because we're able to just um, before this pandemic, you know, shopping at the grocery store was very convenient, easy. If you want an avocado, you can get it any time of the year. Um, we, we just are, have such a luxury knowing that we can get what we want when we want it. Um, no, no regard for what seasonality it would be because we have imports and those types of things. Um, but as a registered dietitian, it's just extremely important for me. Just, I want people to help understand that we're not perfect. There is no perfect way to eat. There is no perfect way to be healthy or any of that stuff. You have to find what works for you. And so that it, that comes from a mix of nutrients. Um, so, you know, I, um, Animal proteins are a vital, vital protein source in our diet, and they're extremely important for us, um, but also our fruits and vegetables. So I don't elevate one over the other. They all work in their own unique ways. Um, but if you're choosing to eliminate certain food groups from your diet and certain people are wanting you to do that, it's definitely imperative to seek a nutrition professional's advice to make sure you are not missing out on key nutrients. Um, and so because we're feeding growing kids, and then also as parents, we have minds to nourish as well, too. I love how you saw this opportunity of like a link between nutrition and farm life. So tell us about that. How do they go together? Isn't that an interesting conundrum? Um, I went through <laughs> I uh, bachelor's degree and um, master's degree and really never um, had the opportunity or learning outside of what we learned um, as far as where food comes from. Um, I'll, I have to be hundred percent transparent that what I remember most about agriculture in one of my classes, um, later in school, and it was actually a documentary called food Inc. And that was what they were portraying agriculture, um, to, to my um, peers. And so that has stuck with me to this day. And that was, um, that's been over 10 years ago. And it's just really, really hung with me that it's really, uh, that's what makes me want to elevate the message. And I just want people to better understand where food comes from. I want them to better understand as agriculture producers, we're doing the best we can. Have we been perfect this whole time? We have absolutely not. Um, but the more I talk to patients and the more I talk to clients, they want to better understand all the raising claims. They want to better understand the food production processes. Um, they just want a better understanding of it because they ultimately haven't had that opportunity before. And I feel like I'm in a position um, of some sort of credibility to be able to provide that, um, that for people. I love that. What would you say to dispel some of the common myths that are out there? You know, things like that cow's milk or beef or even any kind of meat are not good for you. So it feels like um, that animals or animal products are constantly um, have a bullseye on them or there's something that, you know, 
that people are doubting about them. And I just want to kind of zoom out a little bit and kind of just put it into perspective for a lot of people, but especially animal protein foods or animal foods are authentically nutrient rich. So outside of them being a protein source, um, as far as beef is concerned, um, we're talking about zinc, which aids in immune function. We're talking about iron, um, which aids in oxygenation of our blood. There are so many things that go on. And especially for young kids, those nutrients are vitally important in their brain development, let alone to fueling adults too. Um, so there's something B vitamins as well too. So vitamin B12, there's certain nutrients that are only found in animal food sources that, um, that we need. If not, you have to be supplementing with them if you're going to choose not to. So that's why it's not a one size fits all approach. Um, and for me too, as far as, you know, cow's milk is concerned, just the naturally occurring, it's an easy protein in my mind too. And it's delicious. Um, but in addition to that, again, the calcium and vitamin D, we have bone strength that's building and once you hit, you know, a certain age of, I believe it's 18 years old, you've already met your maximum potential to build your bone strength. So from there on, you're just maintaining. Um, and so I just feel like there's such, as I said, they're just authentically nutrient rich that we don't have to add more things to them. Um, but they definitely are great accompaniments. So they can be paired super well with those fiber rich foods, whether they're fruits, vegetables, and your whole grains. and talking fruits and vegetables. In my mind as a registered dietitian, it does not matter if they're canned. It does not matter if they're frozen. It does not matter if they're fresh. Um, a lot of it will come into textures. And so some kids really, really do not enjoy fresh green beans, cooked green beans, whatever. They just don't enjoy that. But you have a can of green beans that may be much softer. They may enjoy them. Guess what? It's a-okay. Enroll with it. As I said, there is no one size fits all eating healthy approach. And I think we can give our, cut ourselves some slack, um, that, that you're doing just fine. So good. So what about organic versus non-organic thoughts on that? So when it comes to produce and how it's raised, you know, whether it's canned, whether it's fresh or whether it's frozen, um, I think we can rest assured knowing that either production, um, either production route is still going to be able to produce as a wholesome and nutritious product for me in my house. I actually do choose conventional um, because I, there is no reason for me otherwise, but again, that's a personal preference. Um, but just know whether you're choosing organic or conventional, you're still choosing something that has been, that is still going to be extremely nutritious either way. So what about grass fed versus grain fed beef? People are wanting to know where their food comes from more now than ever. And I think, what really started coming for me was when people started asking me, do I need to be buying grass fed beef? And so um, the question becomes is all cattle are grass fed. And that's something I want to make sure that people do understand that. So all cattle are grass fed and it's just in that final four to six months that they could be given a grain ration and become grain finished. And so, and that grain finished route um, is a fairly efficient route to get to that, to that goal weight um, before harvest. And so I, I have found an opportunity there to just kind of explain some of those differences. Um, either way, actually it comes down to budget preferences and ultimately taste preference too. Because if you grew up um, in a region of the world that grass was more readily available year round because climate, then grass finished beef is going to taste better to you. But if you're living in a region of the world um, where grass is not growing year round, grain finished beef is going to be taste really great to you too. And so ultimately we kind of put it down to that. Um, and so just that way, to, so people understand. But at the end of the day, all cattle are grass fed. It's just a matter of whether they're grain finished or grass finished. 
with the country currently in quarantine, what tips would you have on shopping your pantry? So from somebody who lives about 35 miles from a grocery store, um, the convenience aspect for me has never really been there. So it is imperative for me to always have a stock pantry in a stock refrigerator and stock freezer. We'll talk pantry here in a minute. And I say pantry, if you do not have a Pinterest picture perfect pantry, that is okay. If you do not have a walk-in pantry, that's not what I'm talking about. I am just saying wherever you store in your dry goods, that's what I'm calling pantry. But the key thing for that is, is making sure that you have that hitting multiple nutrients and that being protein sources. So that's where if you've got beef jerky, beef jerky will be stored in the the pantry. If you've got beans, they're going to be stored in the pantry. Now you can have canned beans, you can have dried beans. Um, Rice is the same way. Thinking those things that are shelf stable for longer periods of time. And that's where for me, whenever the fresh starts to run low, that's when I start supplementing with what's in my pantry. And so it really, once you kind of get it worked out, um, it all works in a really fabulous motion, but you have to have those things um, available for yourself to do that. And talking from a nutrition perspective, I kind of grew up in a time where they were like downplaying, um, you know, do not shop the inside, only shop the perimeter of the grocery store, which would be all fresh. Um, that's great for whenever, what I say, you're privileged um, and have the ability to only sh- to shop multiple times a week and have that. Um, but those canned tomatoes were picked at the peak of freshness and they were ultimately canned much quicker than those tomatoes, you know, if you want that that had to make the trick to be fresh to your grocery store. So either way, if you want fresh tomatoes, shop the perimeter. If you want canned tomatoes, you just go to the go to the interior. So either way, it's totally okay. Um, but if someone is truly wanting, um, they really don't know where to start of what should be in your pantry. I do have that in my Dirt Road Dietitian store on my website, um, just to kind of give some people just kind of a starting point. It is fairly lengthy. Um, but most of the things I share typically are from my pantry, created from items in my pantry. And so that's that's what's going on there. I love that. What's your number one staple to have in your pantry? Ooh, that's a good question. Potatoes and onions. That's good. That's good. That's, I know they're fresh foods, but I keep them in my pantry. And, and so always- easy to have just sitting there. Yeah. In stock. Absolutely. Yep. I always have potatoes and I always have, I have onions. <laughs> well, speaking of that, do you have any tips on, you know, making your grocery list in, especially right now, but I think what could apply in quarantine can also t- apply to like you living in a very rural area. You aren't going to the grocery store a couple times a day. So are there key things that you find if you have those stocked up, you can kind of whip a meal together as long as you have those things. And I think that's what's key is what you said. Like what my advice has not changed whether we're in quarantine or whether we're not like I remain steadfast in my advice. And, um, and, and that is the way that I view things and I will continue to view them until I'm, I'm proven differently. But, um, for me making that grocery list, especially for fresh items. So I kind of would start there. So for me, oranges, things like oranges that have an actual peel on them last longer. So, you know, if I'm needing to decide if I'm going to do oranges or if I'm doing berries, berries have to be consumed basically within three days of purchasing them or less, or they are bad ultimately, or you're going to have to freeze them. So when it comes to fresh items, I really kind of weigh some of those things out of like, what are we going to be home after I get this? Or is it, are we going to be gone? And now I need to figure out how to, you know, lengthen the time of those things. Um, 
In addition to that, as I said, the potatoes and onions are vital for me as well, too, to always have on hand. Um, and then having your, your freezer stocked with protein sources. And for me, they are animal protein. Beef is a primary protein source in our house, given that we do raise beef cattle. Um, and so being creative with those items too. And so whenever I'm thinking of my shopping list, I, again, I revert back to those pantry staple items and I also have refrigerator staple items too. And I make sure that I have a mixture of all those things because like most of those items that I have on hand are what makes it very, very easy to create something from there. Um, but whenever you're thinking of a grocery list, do not feel like you have to make five meals every day. One of my tips and tricks of kind of surviving this feeling like we have to cook, you know, three meals a day all the time right now is just, you know, let's just start with planning for three meals for your week. Start with those three meals. And then typically you're going to have leftovers or make a double batch of something so you can continue on that. So you're not feeling like you're a short order cook. Um, and your kids, you know, the snacking memes are very, very true right now. We are eating, feel like we're eating all the time. And so um, really writing that down and being creative with, we're doing three, three meals with this right now and then moving forward. Great advice. What are some of your favorite go-to meals? It varies on the time of the year. So we are entering right now into the time of year where we are really hitting it hard farming. So we are getting ready. I mean, we've got cows checking them, working calves, bulls that have to be out. Hay season is coming. Um, my husband is still spraying fungicide. There's a lot of things going on that happen in the months of April and May for us where we don't have a lot of time to be in the kitchen. So for me, portability becomes, it, it's elevated. Um, but that does not mean that that does not apply to everyone else in the entire world. So right now I love, love, love making stromboli. Stromboli is just basically your pizza dough and all the good stuff inside and you roll it up and it becomes, the kids love it. Okay. So that's something else that I want to emphasize for others is if you're getting tired of making the same thing. So scrambled eggs, people are tired of scrambled eggs. Let's explore making an omelet, same ingredients, nothing different, but it's all in how you serve it. Um, and today I had shared too about um, chocolate chip cookies. So you love chocolate chip cookies, but we're kind of tired of that presentation. So let's try it in a skillet, cook them in the skillet. Just, you can still use your same core ingredients, but a lot of times to keep it interesting for the others in your family. Um, just like, you know, let's just do a little bit something different with it. So back up, stromboli definitely is like kind of been my number one um, thing. Our omelets with fruit have been a very, very fun, um, easy and, and quick breakfast for us too. So that's been something very easy to make. Um, and honestly, the two other pieces of equipment that I have in my kitchen that I feel like are my kitchen assistants um, are my Instant Pot to make a really awesome roast and you don't have to babysit it. Um, and my bread machine. So I don't use it to bake bread. I use it as my dough maker. Um, and I know not everybody has that option either because um, you can still use your dough hook or use your hands. But for me, that's really, really a, a good option to have. As far as meals go, though, I'm going back. Stromboli is still my number one go-to at the moment with sides of fruit and a side of veggie, whether they're canned. The kids love canned fruit right now. I love it. Sounds very good. You offer nutrition counseling, both for individuals and in a corporate setting. Tell us a little more about that. So I do offer one-on-one -on -one nutrition counseling setting. And you say, well, how do you do that? You live in a population, a town with a population of 79 people. I do it virtually. And so if 
and my primary clientele are those that likely um, are seeking food confidence. So if you have been told that you shouldn't eat this or shouldn't eat that and it's becoming conflicting, you've got conflicting advice. If someone has told you you can't eat fruit, you can't eat this, and you can't eat that, there's a lot of people seeking just that food freedom, um, wanting to know what can they eat, and I'm their girl for that. So I really, really love to cut a lot of those cords and start the, basically, it's, I feel like it's a healing process to find life again, because there's so much more to life. Um, and a lot of it is about mindset, um, mindset in the fact of not what can't I have, but I'm telling you what you can have. Uh, and there's a lot of misperceptions about dietitians. They really, people seem to think that we really love, um, we live a perfect food life and all those types of things. And that's definitely, I'm just as human as you are. Um, and I want to humanize it for you and I want to help you navigate it. And so that way you can live life uh, without those strings attached in that journey. What do you love most about working with your clients? To tell them that they can. Mm. To give people permission to say, yes, you can. Um, when they've been told or society had told them or some diet plan told them that they shouldn't without reason. It just makes my heart. It hurts me to know that that's what society has taught them, but it also gives me very much sense of hope because they're going to pass that on down to their kids that they don't have to live in a diet centered world. And in addition to that, I also, I'm a nutrition consultant um, for companies as well too. And so I do work with the Oklahoma Beef Council and we do a lot of trainings um, with future dietitians. And so that has been my avenue for connecting those with agriculture that otherwise have not had that opportunity to be connected with someone with agriculture. And it, I have gotten more and more, I get emails or I'll get messages um, from interns that are able to address questions about agriculture, about raising animals that they otherwise had not been equipped to do. Um, and that to me, of all the work that I do, that is very, very impactful for me as well too, from an agriculture standpoint. What have been some of your favorite success stories? It's really the light bulb moment. Um, it takes a long time. This process, as far as nutrition and lifestyle change, it's not quick. I don't promise anything. I don't promise quick results or anything of that. But after a couple of weeks or months go by, whenever those light bulb moments start to come on and I get those messages that you know, I can do it. Or I had ice cream today without guilt. That's a big, that is a big, big thing. Um, because there are foods out there that are meant to truly be enjoyed without guilt. And a lot of us have been um, told indirectly that those are guilt type foods. And so I will just say, whenever I feel like I've given people that food confidence to be confident in that, that's where it's a win win for me. Well, tell us a little bit about your town of loyal and what you love about your community. You said the word community, and I think that is what sums up where we live. We are a community. Our town is, uh, I think it 2010 census was 79 people. We truly do live in a community. So our schools um, that we have is called Lomega. So it is a consolidated school of Loyal and Omega, and those towns are about 15 miles apart. Um, Kyle and I do live north of Loyal along, the, uh, along a river. And, um, but we're about three, three and a half miles from town and that town, um, it's lifeblood is actually the co-op. So a place called Sooner Co-op and that is very much agriculture, um, in its finest. And my husband actually is the chairman of that cooperative board at the moment too. And so 
agriculture is very, very, very much the, the heartbeat of our community. And I think what means so much even more about that town to us is my husband, before we moved um, to where we are, are now, which is where he was raised, um, he was actually the mayor of the town. And so he, you know, there's not a lot there as far as businesses anymore. It is the school and it is the co-op, but um, he definitely, our care for that community and our care for um, that town is, is definitely elevated because of the, the blood, sweat and tears that he put in when he was, he was the mayor too. So he now calls himself the retired mayor um, anyway, but there are a lot of us that wish we had the funds and the wish we had the ability to just make Main Street the way it was again, because we, my father-in-law and my mother-in-law will tell story after story of of the different games that they played, the races that were in town, the hardware store. Just so much went on that I really wish I could just go in a time machine and see how it was before. Yeah. What excites you most about the future of rural America? I think the nature of Facebook groups say it best is we're all seeking a sense of community. Everybody is seeking a sense of community. And I think that is the definition of rural America. We may have to drive a little further to get what we need. We may have to drive a little further um, for, for a mom's night or for a girl's night. But at the end of the day, rural America is community and that's what everybody is seeking right now. And so I have never been more proud um, to be a product of rural America. And I want people, I just want people to know us. And that's where I also feel like social media is so powerful right now for us as well, too, as we've never had the ability to tell our story so easily, quite honestly, um, prior to social media. And so, again, I think what excites me the most about rural America is just our ability to be a community. Yes, I like that a lot. In that same vein, what excites you most about the future for kind of uniting nutrition and farm life? I am really very excited that people are very interested in where their food comes from. Um, I know growing up, you know, we were very much, you know, you stick your head down and you just work and you get it done. Um, We didn't really have the time or the ability or the need to communicate it because people just needed to be fed. And now I feel like there is a significant amount of opportunity um, to know that people truly want to know. And, and it comes back to humans. And so they want that human connection. And what is very a huge common misperception, um, the word I hear a lot is the factory farms. And um, I, I think about that and I'm like, well, our family would be classified as a factory farm, I guess. But, you know, the beef that we raise and the wheat that we raise, they're Kyle's and I's hands and in blood, sweat, and tears that actually are what producing it. Um, and so I don't say that I know it all. My expertise is definitely in beef and it's definitely in wheat. And we're in our third year of sesame. I am not a vegetable farmer. I am not a fruit farmer. So I have things that I would love to learn and go visit and do as well too. Because outside of my raised garden beds, I, I can't say that I know a lot about that. But but I do know that I'm really, really excited about people seeking out that information. And I want to make sure that they're getting it from the right incredible sources as well, too. So good. Well, what's next for you? Well, in multifacets. So the next four months could still be school at home. We don't, you know, we, right. we don't really know. but um, so my life works in multiple, multiple ways. Um, for us right now, it's getting ready to be hay season on the farm and we will be actually, we're going to be cutting wheat as well too. And so that's kind of that next for that. But as far as 
dirt road dietitian goes um, and that brand goes, I really, really enjoy public speaking. And so I've had some engagements lined up. So hopefully they will stay, stay lined up or postponed a little bit further as they have been. And I still, um, I love to work one-on-one with clients as well too. And so I hope that that will continue to grow um, and people will continue just to seek my advice and know that it's not such a scary thing to talk to a dietitian. It's just Sherry out here on our farm um, talking to you, talking to you through the screen. So good. Well, how do we follow along? So you can find me. It's Dirt Road Dietitian and Dietitian is spelled D-I-E-T-I-T-I-A-N. So I'm on Instagram and I'm on Facebook and then same thing, DirtRoadDietitian.com. So I'm working on blog posts and that's where if you want to set up an appointment or speaking engagement or any of that fun stuff, that is where you will definitely find me. And you also have some great resources there too that people can buy. Absolutely. So my Dirt Road Dietitian store, um, we've got a meal plan worksheet where you can just really write down and it just keeps it much more organized. Um, And then again, as I said earlier, the pantry staples, the freezer and refrigerator staples are kind of the key ones. There's some more on there as well, too, but those definitely will get you very much started um, and help you get a better plan and get get your kitchen, your pantry working for you. Perfect. Sherry, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm honored, honored to be a guest. Thank you so much. Well, I love how Sherry saw the opportunity in helping people make the connection between nutrition and farm life. And I think her perspective is really refreshing and needed. Be sure to check out her socials and she has some great resources that are especially helpful right now during quarantine. And you can find those on her website. I know so many of you are trying to pivot into the online space because of the coronavirus, and several of you have asked about joining our Cultivate Coaching Group for small business owners and small town leaders. So I wanted to let you know it's back open through next week. This group is a great resource as you navigate the changes that we're all facing, and our weekly discussions are focused on getting you through these challenging times, and we want you there. Come join us at ruralrevival.co slash cultivate. Huge thanks to Sherry for being on the podcast and thanks to you for tuning in and staying with us as we record these podcasts remotely during quarantine. We look forward to being back out on the road soon, but until then, stay healthy and safe and have a great day, everybody.